Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society, MSL, Field Medical Focus Area Working Group's podcast series entitled Field Medical Stakeholders, Partnering for Today and Tomorrow. In this fifth podcast, we will discuss government affairs. I'm Catherine Gann. I'm a member of the MAPS MSL Field Medical Focus Area Working Group, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. Currently, I'm an independent consultant in medical affairs, having spent my 30-year career as an MSL, an MSL manager, and an MSL trainer. Our legal disclaimer is as follows. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversation about partnering with field medical stakeholders with other MAPS members via the community portal on the MAPS website. Simply log in with the email address and password associated with your MAPS account and click on the discussion tab. Then scroll down to field medical to post a question or review previous postings. The objectives for this series of podcasts are that at the end of this series, the participant will be able to one, discuss the functions and activities of key internal stakeholders, and two, identify potential areas for compliant collaboration by MSLs with key internal stakeholders. I'd like to thank today's panelists for sharing their subject matter expertise with the MAPS membership. Speaking today are Amanda Logue, Oncology Global MSL Excellence Director at AstraZeneca, and Amanda will be our interviewer, and Paul Nash, currently Director, UK Policy at AstraZeneca. Prior to this position, he was the Global Director, Oncology, Government Affairs, and Policy at AstraZeneca, and Paul's our interviewee. Amanda, as I turn this over to you, could you kick us off by briefly providing information about your current position, how long in the industry, things like that, please? Sure, Kathy. Thanks very much for inviting us along. So, um, as Kathy said, I'm Amanda. I recently I joined AstraZeneca, uh, just coming up to five years as the global MSL Excellence um, head, and I lead a team of MSL Excellence directors focusing on oncology and hematology within AstraZeneca. Prior to that, um, my career was within um, Sanofi. Um, in oncology medical affairs as an MSL, MSL manager and associate medical director prior to joining um, AstraZeneca. And um, I'm really pleased to introduce my, my colleague, Paul. Um, we've had many a, a water cooler conversation about lots of um, big hot topics. And so I thought Paul would be a great person to, to speak to us today around um, how medical can partner with um, government affairs. Paul, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Amanda, and thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, many a water cooler conversation um, in the, the last few years, but I've been in AstraZeneca, AZ or AZ, if you will, for uh, about five or six years now in global roles uh, and now currently in a UK-focused role. Uh, and my career started off in politics, actually, in the UK. Um, but the, the vast chunk of the last, I don't know, I don't know how many years, um, has been in AstraZeneca in Novo Nordisk for quite a period, and also in a range of consultancies working on health policy and government affairs. So I've been doing the same old thing for quite a long time. 
So you're an expert on this topic then. That's great. We've got the right man for the job. So, Paul, can you tell me um, what's the difference between um, gov- um, global government affairs and, say, a country role in the UK or the US? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, although it's always made me laugh that it's a question that we don't really ask of many other global functions. When you say you're in global government affairs, people assume that you're dealing with some kind of global government that no one's told them about yet. Um, but just like most global functions, there, there are above country organisations to deal with, to discuss with, to to work with. Um, but generally, it's supporting colleagues like my my current role in 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 national roles in the work they do with national governments. Or um, uh, yeah, that might also include regional levels. So in Europe, working with people like the European Commission um, or in uh, my friends in the US, uh, colleagues working at the federal level or the state level. Uh, anyone at the core of it really working with governments in the decisions they make and the actions they take. And that's, that's the core of it. But as we've discussed over the water coolers, there can be quite a lot more to it than than just the governments and their legislation. And, and so I guess you're, you're, you would assume then your, your external customers are, are policymakers and, uh, and, the, and the like. Who are, are your internal customers though? Well, internally, I mean, we, we work very closely with uh, the brand teams, you know, in lots of conversations about really trying to understand um, the evidence around the current patient pathway, what could be different. Uh, that's obviously frequently a, a conversation closely uh, uh, with medical as well. Um, we work with market access very closely, whether that's around pricing issues, but also around sort of building some of those value cases for how care can and should be different. Um, but but I mentioned medical already. I, I, I've certainly found through my career, medical affairs is a function that that really goes hand in hand with the work of government affairs and policy. Uh, I phone in the word policy there because, you know, government affairs at its core is working with those governments. But we use different terms to describe the policy work that sits sort of broader than that. Um, that's engaging with essentially anyone who's trying to shape health systems and the delivery of care. And, and we're often very hand in hand with medical because medical might try to inform input to, if you like, clinical policy, you know, in its simplest sense, inputting to and then educating around guidelines, while we're trying to, to shape discussion about how can those, how can the delivery of the care according to those guidelines be invested in, supported, make sure there's enough capacity, and maybe even, some would say increasingly so, um, incentivized and encouraged by the health systems. Um, that's a big topic we probably don't have time for today about you know, Maybe decis- time, <laughs> decisions of of, um, of clinicians versus how they're encouraged and directed by protocols and and uh, uh, and system priorities, but but those are the sort of the, the 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 internal stakeholders that I I find myself working with most closely. When I stay medical, day to day, it's the office-based headquarters medical affairs colleagues that are really some of our closest collaborators. So what, what do you know about, what's your understanding of the MSL role and um, how do you see those field medical teams partnering with government affairs? Well, I'll make an admission here that, that some of those listening might groan at, that um, 
I've had to go on a bit of a journey to understand what an MSL is. Um, across my career, I think for, for a long time, I sort of had MSLs parked in that medical field force black box. Um, they probably talk about studies and maybe do some clinical trial recruitment and that's about it. Um, and I'll be honest, for a long time, that was just sort of an assumption. Um, but it's changed a lot over the last few years. Um, I think particularly actually um, in my last five years, um, after a, a real road to, road, to, road to Damascus moment that um, happened for me when I joined AstraZeneca, actually, um, although it could have happened to any company, I'm sure. Um, and that was around, can I tell you the st quick story? Is that all right? Yeah, that'd be great, thanks. Uh, just, just an experience I had that really opened my eyes to the way MSLs really do and can work. Um, we were doing some work around a, a new disease area where there was a whole new class of, of treatment uh, being introduced. Um, and patient pathways really weren't ready for them. Uh, and I was in a global policy role I was looking to, essentially, actually, I was looking to, to find some senior clinicians who could help explain to policymakers what this disease was uh, and what treating it looked like. And uh, an MSL in the UK uh, volunteered an individual that she knew. Um, but she wasn't just volunteering a person who, you know, a, a name to fill a box. Um, she was linking me up with someone who was already doing some, if you like, policy work. I'm doing air quotes here that, of course, no one can see. Um, he was doing some work with the national system in the UK. But the MSL also knew that he had a real passion for changing the world, like we always talked about at the water cooler. Um, he wanted to not just be a leading trialist, a leading physician. He wanted to be an advocate, um, but hadn't yet really found the channels to, to go down to make it happen. Um, so when she linked him up to me, we developed quite a partnership and, and he uh, became someone who was just this massive change agent and has continued to be so um, and, and really started to, to corral his peers into saying, you know, look, the science is great, but it's no good if the patients can't benefit from it. And we need to make these changes. We need to work out what needs to change. And for me, that, you know, that came from a very knowing connection from that MSL thinking that's the person and I, I need to get him to a new platform, I need to support him to have his voice heard. And it, it really opened my eyes to the way MSLs work. You're not just a, a megaphone to a, a publication, you're a lot more than that. Yeah, no, that's a really incredible, powerful, powerful story, Paul. Um, you're talking about the, the MSL really acting as a catalyst to be a partnership driver and be yeah. able to be that connector. Um, I, I think when we think about policies and systems, it seems really big. And sometimes the solution is just really simple. It's connecting two people to have a conversation. So um, what advice would you give to MSLs um, out there to, who can, to be a partnership driver with, with government, their government affairs colleagues? Well, I, I, first of all, I think I'd want to say that I'm sure everyone listening could give me far more advice than I could give them. But uh, you've asked me, so I'll answer. Um, the, uh, I think, first of all, if anyone out there is still uh, operating in the space that I was up until maybe five years ago, 
of thinking that these are two separate worlds that need never meet. Um, first of all, jump straight beyond that um, and get to know your government affairs colleagues. Um, or they might be called public affairs or policy or who knows what they might be called in, in your organization. So I think getting to know them uh, first is key and, and start, starting triggering some of these conversations like we've referred now several times to the water cooler conversations you and I have had over the years. Um, and I think then also find ways to discuss what you can actually do for each other. And I think a lot of that's around thinking about the trends in health systems, thinking about the themes that are on people's minds. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate for a second that MSLs start talking politics with their customers. Uh, politics is my job. But, um, but they will know that there's a doctor here who maybe she's passionate about inequalities. And anyone listening at the moment can't miss the fact that inequalities is just the biggest topic at the moment. Uh, I'd suggest that actually for many of us, we're even carrying it closer to our hearts than COVID at the moment. Um, it, it's a massive issue for health systems. And if there's a clinician who's really passionate about doing something about inequalities, well, you may find that your government affairs colleagues talking to government about that as well. Um, so there's a connection that can be made there. And just like the story I told, there were collaborations that can be found. So I think it's, it's understanding the, the clinicians, I'm sure every MSL listening does, spotting those sort of themes of interest and then finding a way to sort of offer them up as, as, as themes that could become discussions and discussions can become, can become collaborations and collaborations can bring about change. So I think it is that. I think it is, does start, as you said, with the one-to-one -one conversation. It starts small, um, but get to know each other and get to feel where those small conversations could lead so you're watching out for the opportunities. Thanks Paul. I always always enjoy our conversations and so I would like to just say as a final thought um, to, to our MSLs out there, be naturally curious. Um, channel and um, harness that scientist inside ourselves and 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 really um, try to connect with our clinicians to understand what are their drivers that sometimes these conversations go beyond our science and our data. So Paul, thank you so much for your time and I'll hand over to Cathy. Thanks Amanda, pleasure as ever. So thank you very much Amanda and Paul for participating today and what Paul was talking about working with MSLs and how government affairs and MSLs can partner is one of the reasons I wanted to have someone from government, government affairs participate because that's been my experience when I've had a chance to work with government affairs. And I fortunately was able to get that experience very early in my career and so have been able to carry that knowledge through these 30 years of being in the MSL role. So Paul, thank you so much for basically, um, solidifying what I've known for years. And I really think that this has been in line with our learning objectives, where now our participants should have a better understanding of the role and function of government affairs and, well, and how the MSLs may compliantly interact with government affairs in this partnership. This has been the fifth podcast in a series on the topic of medical, field medical stakeholders partnering for today and tomorrow. And if you are a MAPS member, thank you for supporting MAPS. 
If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like access to additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining. And that website is medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes the podcast.